Hey guys, welcome back to the Essential Education Podcast. And we're on one of our final episodes for the season. And we felt it was just necessary to discuss, you know, Black Lives Matter and all that has gone on with it over yeah, the last given, year. Given 2020 is such a large year for many unprecedented things, Black Lives Matter, we thought was a really, really important movement for a lot of our listeners and, of course, for us as well. So we wanted to first start by talking about how this kind of movement reignited itself in 2020. So the first thing we really saw was the death of George Floyd on May 25th. So uh, in Minneapolis, there was a small kind of uh, small kind of issue between uh, a resident, George Floyd, and a police officer, right, Derek Chauvin. And what ended up happening was the 46-year-old black man died while in custody of the white police officer on the floor of a, of a street, right? His uh, right. Derek Chauvin's yeah. neck, was, or Derek Chauvin's knee was on George Floyd's neck. And of course, George Floyd passed away. Yeah, and um, it's just surprising because we have the actual details. And, you know, Derek had his knee on him for around um, eight minutes. Yeah. Eight to nine minutes. Absolutely. And George Floyd was handcuffed too at the same time. And, uh, and that is just what created such outrage in the community. And essentially, like, you know, throughout the whole world, like, um, what, what is this police officer thinking? What is this man thinking, Mr. Chauvin, for, by having his knee on Floyd for that long? I think it's just unnecessary. And that's when, you know, the prejudice and the racial tension starts to come to play. Right, Arya? No, yeah, 100%. I agree. And, you know, the crazy thing is that he was literally unresponsive for three minutes. And there were other protesters in the street telling him to stop. Maybe hundreds of people gathered recording this event happening, right? Of course, uh, during COVID as well. So everyone was wearing masks. And, uh, of course, it was just a really crazy event. But then the next day after uh, this crazy event, there were protests in Minneapolis that began, right? Hundreds of Minneapolis residents were rallying in the streets and calling for justice for George Floyd after seeing what happened to him. Yeah, what can you expect after such a crazy incident? Um, people took to the streets and, you know, it, it did begin as peaceful protests. And, and in reality, you know, I don't think everyone wanted to do harm because, you know, protests, again, it did harm, harm the city of Minneapolis and many other places, you know, were based in Los Angeles, Orange County area. And we did see um, a lot of damage done. So. Yeah. Again, these people it did intend, I would say, to be a peaceful protest or somewhat peaceful. But, you know, like, again, with these sort of things, it's been going on for such a long time. And there's such a large, you know, amount of tension between these forces that it's exactly. only probable for a large amount of issues. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, looting and violence, there were actually fires and looting near the third precinct in Minneapolis, where the, of course, uh, police officers are. Uh, the police station right. and all of that in Minneapolis. And that's, you know, really, uh, it's scary to hear, right? I mean, your city is under siege. You know, there's people protesting. Uh, protests are good, right? But to a certain extent, and uh, a lot of Minneapolis residents were scared, especially in this end of May, beginning of June time. Um, exactly. Of course, after all of that happened, the Minneapolis mayor uh, asked for deployment of the National Guard, given how uh, crazy it was uh, in Minneapolis at this time with the looting, the fires, the death of George right. Floyd, etc. So I think that was a really important step. And this is, let's keep in mind, this is something that hasn't really happened too often. You know, you had um, the LA riots in the 90s, um, you know, and that was a, a big spectacle. But 
uh, you know, something like this, having the, the riot uh, protectors come and, you know, there's water, water cannons and tear gas. And, you know, it's just a time of uncertainty. And, you know, at that time, I know you did too. We all felt a little bit kind of, I guess, scared and uncertain about what the future held. No, yeah, exactly. And especially I remember this time period, of course, this is just a review of this year in Black Lives Matter. Uh, around June, Trump, uh, the Trump administration said that they're going to deploy a uh, National Guard uh, and military on protests all across the country, right? In LA, in Minneapolis, uh, in New York, wherever these protests were happening, he threatened to deploy the National Guard. And we ask ourselves, is this the right thing to do? Like as a president, uh, should you allow your citizens to protest what they believe is in, uh, immoral or unethical or illegal? Or should you just deploy right, the right. National Guard and keep them quiet? Well, there's two viewpoints to that. I would say there is like a logical thinking of, you know, I do want to do what's best for my country in terms of, you know, keeping things safe and protected and the less businesses and companies that have to deal with this damage, the better, right? Because it's only going to hurt our economy. Um, but, you know, other than that, from when you really think from your heart, you, you say, you know, these people deserve um, for their voices to be heard, I guess, because, again, such an act of, you know, injustice to occur, like, it, this yeah. is the least they can do is just raise some sort of awareness. And if it's through protesting, then so be it. Yeah. And speaking of, of course, George Floyd's death took place in May, but we have to look back at the death of other prominent black, uh, you know, other prominent black people in the community right. that were off, maybe even ignored before George Floyd's death. And of course, that sparked protests across the world. But Breonna Taylor's death exactly. was also very important. She died March 13th uh, and she was hit by six bullets and died. in Six bullets. That is just, that is just shocking. Six. Like... And the fact that just the whole idea of the raid, I'm sorry for interrupting, but I'm just surprised. I never knew it was that many um, and just yeah. shocked because we know that this event happened in her own apartment or bedroom yeah. and it was very late at night. Did they have a search warrant, by the way? Did you know So that? yeah, what happened is, is that they actually allegedly executed a search warrant of the wrong home. So they weren't even supposed to be in Breonna Taylor's home. Breonna Taylor was innocent. Uh, so of course this situation was just so tragic for the family of Breonna Taylor and everyone that was close to her. Wow, I just, again, even just going back, I know just letting it all sink in, I guess, this is just an important thing to do. And I think a lot of people, you know, should go back and kind of review this year as, you know, one to um, savor, I guess, because there were very, a lot of good points, but again, to look back and just say, look, thankfully 2021 will be a lot better of a year. Right. Um, yeah, let's move on. I think something that, Sorry for interrupting, but I think something that's um, stood out to me was the sports and entertainment world and how they reacted to um, the the whole Black Lives Matter and sure. and how yeah. they showed their awareness. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, as most of you may know, or some of you may know, we know a lot of our audience is younger. Uh, the NBA uh, playoffs and of course championship happened uh, around uh, was it October November. Uh, that kind of right. uh, October, November 2020, and the winning championship team uh, was the Lakers, and the star player on the Lakers, LeBron James, actually always after every interview, after every game, I always remember him saying something about the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, right. uh, he he actually uh, always talks about Breonna Taylor and how sorry is for their family, and I think you know a lot of these uh, top sports stars and 
uh, important influential people, celebrities talking about these large, uh, you know, impactful events uh, really does influence uh, our political landscape and our uh, and how citizens are responding to like social issues, right? There was exactly. some backlash, like some people were like, okay, NBA doesn't really have a spot talking about all these issues. But some people were like, yes, they are black people, right? They uh, have they have experienced this prejudice in their lives, and they want to go ahead and express their uh, you know viewpoints and opinions about what they believe is right, right? So yeah. I think it's important that we hear all points of view, including those from NBA players. Yeah, no matter who you are, I feel like you can never go wrong with just you know supporting another group of people you don't always have to be that same you know race or color in order to just support someone else to me that sounds really silly but yeah on the topic of nba you know what you said about lebron james again i did watch all those laker games and he definitely did talk about black lives matter which was you know incredible for the community and even the nba itself they put a lot of effort into it um you know warm up jerseys for example would have black lives matter across it and you know it was something even more incredible is that, you know, the jerseys, the official jerseys during the game, um, players could actually customize their names or what message they want to put. And I thought that was just super impactful and really powerful because, you know, some players had that ability um, and they were doing that until the end of the year. And so there would be things like justice for Breonna Taylor yeah. or, you know, let their truth be heard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, really powerful from the NBA. Um, even going more deeply into the sports world, soccer, for example, um, they would do, you know, a minute of silence, you know, to pay their respects and then take a knee at the same time. So I feel yeah. like, again, those acts of respect, even if it doesn't affect you firsthand, it's just incredible just to see people, you know, banding together as a community. Exactly. And speaking of affecting you firsthand, a lot of people, especially during this Black Lives Matter movement, we are at the most advanced point that we have ever been in our civilization and society. People are all saying, look, guys, we can't just say, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. What can we do? It should be an equality movement, right? It's not like black people should be treated different than any other, uh, you know, any other race of people. So since George Floyd's murder, right, going back to that idea, it's uh, a very, it's a culture that emphasizes equality, right? Uh, and, and a culture that really right. emphasizes that everyone is to be treated equally, you know, whether it's religious, academic, governmental, economic, all aspects of American life uh, should be equal is what everyone is arguing for, especially during this time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, the point is, and the big point I want to say, a lot of people say, you know, all lives matter. And essentially that's a hundred percent true. But the yeah, point that I hear, it's like all lives matter versus black lives matter. Like, Hey, which one's more? Right. And you see a lot of people like getting into very, you know, nitpicky controversial, uh, kind of takes at this. Yeah. Something someone said to me, though, um, a few months ago was that, you know, black lives can't really matter until or all lives can't really matter. My bad. Until black lives matter. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Right. So no, the reason. Yeah. It's not, yeah. yeah all lives. That's a really yeah, good way of looking at it. Like making like Black Lives Matter is a prerequisite to making all lives matter because if one group of people isn't being treated equally, how can all groups be being treated? Like how can all groups be treated equally? Right? Yeah. You have to make sure the blacks yeah. are also treated equally. Yeah, a hundred percent. And also something I just wanted to talk about with the uh, listeners is that 
right now, a lot of people are, uh, or a lot of people were saying, let's defund the police. Now, what does this mean? Defund the police? Like what, what, what are they trying to say? Well, essentially here is defunding is just stop paying the police. And essentially this would mean, you know, for the police to kind of be gone from existence. And I think that is completely, um, you know, a well, bit too extreme. Well, I, I want to correct you. I don't think defund means a well, defund the police. I, would I, think, say that. I think what it really means is, right, like if you if you go ahead and go to the police, you're like, okay, you guys already received millions and billions of dollars each year. We right, want to right, allocate right, that or redirect some of those funds away from you guys. Exactly. And, and what does no, that mean? Right. That, means, that means giving money back to like social, uh, to like social uh, organizations or like, you know, medical organizations, other groups of people that are helping during this time. Like let's say, uh, you know, doctors and nurses who are giving away hours and days of their time to just COVID, right? Like, especially during this time, we have so many societal issues raging across this world. What can we do uh, as, you know, uh, as a world to make sure that we give everyone else the equal, you know, equal access to opportunities, et cetera. So I think that's what really matters. Well, yeah, I made the mistake of um, reading it wrong or interpreting wrong. And it does not mean abolish the police at all. It just means, you know, they have a lot of funds that you know, necessarily don't need to be in their direction and sometimes pushing it towards, you know, a fundraiser or organizations that help, you know, maybe less, less um or poor communities you know what i'm trying to say here yeah. so again it's a, it's a powerful point and i somewhat agree um with it because i feel like so far you know the police not all police officers are bad too i think that's another point i want to make like you know not all people are bad um so we can't really say all the police but i agree for the yeah. police that that do ruin the reputation of the others that's the sad part right but yeah, speaking of yeah speaking of those police let's i want to talk about how the four police officers in george floyd's murder, murder were charged right uh i mean i know that of course uh derek chauvin is he still in jail right now or um that's gonna have to be something i need to look up but yeah so uh i think when, when i was doing all the research into it uh it actually uh, happened to be that Derek Chauvin was released from jail on a $1 million bond. Now, he literally took a man's life for wow. no reason. And that's crazy how money can get you out of these kinds of things, right? He was accused in George Floyd's death. He was in jail for a while. And now he's, quote unquote, alive and well as of December 21st and basically got a $1 million bond and is living his life. So honestly yeah that's just again that's ridiculous for me I, I, yeah and the only uh, consequence you really face yeah, voluntary manslaughter right there. yeah voluntary yeah. manslaughter and for no for absolutely no reason he felt the need um to end this man's life you know what i mean so yeah you, you should and i and i guess um you know although he's out of jail i think that will be with him for the rest of his life and all those death threats and hate you know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's ever going to escape that. So essentially, if you think about it, um, you know, he probably has a lot of bad energy coming his way. So, oh, no, I agree. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, everyone kind of knows what he did. And I'm sure uh, hopefully after everything that's happened, he understands what he's done. But yeah, of course, uh, just to kind of talk about what he was charged for. And then, of course, we'll move on from this topic. Uh, it got upgraded from third degree murder, as Millen was saying, manslaughter to quote unquote, unintentional second degree murder. And right. there are obviously reasonable questions from the media and the public about what allegations are appropriate. 
before the death of George Floyd, but this is kind of what was decided after, a month after his death. Uh, and really, if it weren't for social media and everything we have today, I mean, something like this would have gone unnoticed in the past. Exactly. That's that's the point I'm trying to make. And that's what you said was really important. You know, back in the 90s, 80s, you did have events, right? Like I said earlier, those protests. Yeah, um, also a lot of you know what? Uh, it's the social media. That's the powerful and positive part about social media. And that's what I couldn't believe. How fast everything spread was amazing. All the, you know, do you remember the black screens that everyone did? Yeah, I, um, I mean, you and me, we both did it for our Instagrams too. So that's right. Cool. Exactly. And I think that although it's just such a little thing, people don't understand the black screen will physically not really do much, but it's just, just the, you know, the idea and that concept of, um, you know, showing a commitment to a movement. Right. And, you know, you're willing to be part of this new generation, which is willing to work forward and, you know, become an equal loving one. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, of course, speaking on all of these terms, uh, I want to just talk about one more important thing. What President Obama, uh, you know, our previous president, who was also a black man in this country, uh, he was leading us what he defined Black Lives Matter as, because, uh, of course, I think his uh, reputation is very important. So when President Barack Obama was in charge, he said that, according to him, uh, Black Lives Matter is all about uh, this. And I'm going to kind of just give you a quote of what he said. He said that I know that there's some of us who have criticized even the phrase Black Lives Matter as if the notion, as if other lives don't matter. We get all lives matter or blue lives matter. I understand the point they're trying to make. I think it's also important for us to understand that the phrase Black Lives Matter simply refers to the notion that there's a specific vulnerability for African-Americans that needs to be addressed. So what that really means is, right, we're looking at blue lives matter or all lives matter. Like, yes, we understand cops lives matter or other races matter. We're just trying to bring to attention that there are a discriminated population, the Black lives, the African-Americans, that need attention as well. They are also an important group in our society. And as a result, that is why we have this movement and just to bring attention to the issues, social issues uh, and discrimination we're facing in society. Right, I couldn't agree more with what he said. And it was kind of similar to what we were discussing earlier, as in like Black lives or all lives can't matter, right? Unless Black lives matter first. And it would be the way for anything else, right? You know, in society, even yeah. with the with the blue lives, blue lives matter. For example, I agree. That is the point I was talking about earlier. Not all cops are bad people, but there are some really bad cops out there. And so, for those good cops, and I know plenty of them um, that are out there, you know, they don't deserve this discrimination. Um, you know, worldwide uh, of people, you know, always putting down uh, police officers because there are good ones out there. And so it. That's what it essentially means. It's it's bringing awareness to those who are disrespected and neglected within our society. And whether it's cops that are not appreciated or black lives that, you know, all, are also being um, just harmed and disrespected. They're both the same thing. It's, a, it's the same concept for me. Yeah. And I actually wanted to talk about an important piece of literature that I thought was uh, pretty relevant uh, to the Black Lives Matter movement, and that's called The Hate You Give, right? And this book talked about uh, some black man killed by a police officer uh, on uh, at night uh, with his girlfriend when he pulled out what, a, what, he, what the police officer thought was a gun, but was actually a uh, comb from his back pocket, right? So what, I mean, what do we have to say about like something like that? Like this book really right. touched on that. 
Yeah, I, I actually read this book um, yeah. and this was just an incredible book for me. It was just really impactful and just the whole situation can arise from just such a small thing like a cone, a comb, sorry. It's just ironic, I guess, like something so uh, harmless can create such an outbreak and essentially end someone's life and create distress for so many other people around them, you know, like family, friends, relationships. That's just the horrible part of it, you know. It's just showing how how just small this this issue should really be and it's just been blown out of proportion. And I think society is trying to say, look, let's get let's get everyone kind of back on track and together essentially. Not Yeah, always. and I think the the justification of blowing it up so much is that you know, first of all, this author is trying to expand the reader's understanding of Black Lives Matter and the difficulties yeah. that the Black Americans are facing, right? So, you know, sometimes you have to use vulgar language or controversy to get that uh, to get that point across. But I think it's definitely really, really impactful. And exactly. uh, just kind of to end today's discussion on Black Lives Matter, we always like to tie it back in to education and what you guys, uh, most of our listeners, are learning in school. So. How was Black Lives Matter used at school? Uh, what were some of the things that they chose to do? Right. So there's there's a surplus of things that you know schools across the country kind of did for Black Lives Matter. And whether it's just simple slogans, like I know my school had banners put up, um, and you know simple messages and stickers around the school of right. that Black Lives Matter. And it is a comforting thing to know that your school is supportive and yeah. yeah, and it cares about people and you know, their well-being. Yeah. And I think especially, you know, the big schools that were in Milwaukee, Rochester, Seattle, Minneapolis, you know, Denver, all of these huge cities that were especially impacted, Los Angeles too, all of these huge, huge cities directly impacted by the Black Lives Matter movement were definitely, you know, the public schools are going to be talking about these issues uh, at yeah. a larger rate, right? I mean, they're going to be talking about resolutions that need to be passed, uh, funds for the Black Lives Matter initiative, passing out magazines for kids in school, and things like that. I think those all sorts of things like that really make sure that uh, kids are aware about the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Yeah. Uh, and well, you know, even, yeah, even more importantly, right, there were student leaders, uh, organizations in the school all started for the main purpose of promoting this idea of Black Lives Matter. Yeah. I mean, again, like you said, on that topic of what else are people doing, you know, marches and you know people would leave school for a certain amount of time i do remember that uh yeah, everyone kind of left school that was that again it's just that feeling of that you, you don't really feel a lot and that feeling of togetherness that feeling of community when everyone is kind of on that same wavelength and emotion of you know this is a horrible thing that's happened in this in this world and you know we need, need to work together to you know correct this and fix this but yeah on this topic of black lives matter honestly with education um, it could not be more important because, you know, it's just there's we're preparing the future generation. Of students. I mean, yeah, if, if, exactly. if, if our next uh, generation of students know that black lives are just as important as anyone else's lives, then they will go ahead and approach with that kind of uh, with that mindset in all aspects of life, whether it be their whether it be whether they're police officers, their lawyers, their doctors, et cetera. They're going to ensure equal uh, equal access and equal opportunity for all of these. Races. Great. Yeah, great point, Arya. I think it's about growing that strong base of um, equality, and it's about teaching the children the right values, right? Or teaching anyone the right values. And you know, there are fully grown adults out there that do not know the right values, and 
again, this is why, um, you know, students, social media, school, influencers, sports, everything, a community of the world has been so powerful with Black Lives Matter. And this is why, again, something to discuss for us. And I'm glad we did um, have this conversation today. Yeah. And I just want to end with a few little, uh, it's almost like a slogan or a catch line that will leave our listeners with something that's powerful for the Black Lives uh, Movement, with the Black Lives Matter movement. So first of all, understand that racial justice is education justice. Okay. Second of all, we need to support ethnic studies programs. Third of all, we need to end the school to prison pipeline. Fourth of all, we need to bring right. families together and make sure that they that, that people understand that families belong together. And finally, we have to understand that we need to protect our students' civil rights, right? Because students right. treat school as safe zones, right? You know, school is where they think that they can express their opinions in a safe manner, right? We shouldn't be facing hate right. and bias and discrimination and controversy in our schooling systems or any sort of discrimination at all. These, these places are, should be safe spaces where we can express our viewpoints about societal issues, about you know sexual orientation, about things like that. So I think overall, we have to understand that Black Lives Matter is just another aspect of our schooling system that needs to be integrated to be talked about in an open manner, right? Right, it's only gonna add to the nurturing of students in school, right? In order for them to grow and become a better person because at the end of the day, the school's goal is to essentially you know um, transform young humans or young adults like us into better people, right? So, and that's throughout education and, you know, bringing civil rights into it, like you said, and everything, all sorts of things, black, white, any sexual orientation, anything. It's important that you bring awareness to any topic because there's always gonna be someone out there that has a relation to that feeling or emotion that you're talking about. That's and key. again, that is why, that's that's yeah, key. exactly. And that is why we guys, I think we're gonna go ahead and end today's podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode on Black Lives Matter. And we're definitely going to come back with a new episode uh, next week on a different topic, uh, probably another social issue, and uh, hopefully a new season where we will introduce many different topics. Yeah, it's, I'm glad to be back. We took a little break, but we're ready to work again and you know discuss some amazing things. And yeah, I couldn't be more excited, like you said. All right, guys, uh, we'll talk to you soon, and we'll see you all later. Bye.